My name is Felicity Smith. This is still track five, Mobilize Your Campus. Turn selfish students into selfless missionaries. Great, so glad we got a second try on that. So the intro will clearly not be in there, but that is okay. Okay, so selfishness, being selfish, pride. What are some other things? Even give me examples where you're like, wow, that was a time where I was super, super selfish. Am I the only selfish person in the room who has to like work through dice? So like on the way over here, you know, the elevator was packed, and I was just like, can one person just get out so I can just squeeze my way in? Yep. But then I was like, hey, friend, just take the stairs. You need it? So I took the stairs. I was like, you stay on there. Have fun. Yeah. It's such a simple example. Anything else? Anything else that comes to mind when you guys think of selfishness? Yeah. Wanting to do like a small group, but not wanting to make time for it? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I think like anytime you go through situations in your head, you try and figure out which one benefits you the most. That's the one you're gonna go with. Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. 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 Oh, my parents come up for a football game at Tech. Um, my mom insists that she has my bed and I sleep on the couch, and I have really hard time sleeping. So I was like, well. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting because if we're all honest, we see selfishness in our lives every moment, whether it's actions, but sometimes it's thoughts, and a lot of times it's motives. Think about it. You can do the most selfless action, and your thoughts can be completely selfish. Completely. So I want you guys to take a minute, literally one minute, I will time it. And I want you guys to really ask the Lord to highlight to you, what are the specific areas of your life where you're selfish? What are some like tendencies that you have where you're like, wow, I seem to be more selfish when it comes to my workout. And if someone interrupts my workout, not cool. Or maybe it's my, my finances. If someone is asking and needs something from me, I'm going to be the last person who gives. So I want you to like kind of take a moment, ask the Lord, okay, Lord, what are the selfish tendencies that I have in my own life? And write that down. Okay, so you probably all had at least something pop into your head. Why, why consider what our tendencies even are? You know, why do we even consider what our selfish tendencies are? Point A, under one, I said we need to recognize where we are, humble ourselves, and respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. So there's that aspect of it. But then the other reason why I actually think it's very important for people to take the time and actually acknowledge this is because every selfish tendency actually points to something deeper going on in our hearts. Think about it. Selfishness is honestly like a fruit. So if selfishness is the fruit and you cut off the fruit, you still have the rest of the tree and the roots. 
So every selfish fruit is really pointing us to a deeper root. It's really pointing us to something else that's going on. And so when we see our own selfishness, when we see those tendencies in our own lives, we do have to take a second and recognize that's a red flag. That's a red flag to either a lie that I believe, an insecurity or a hurt that I have, or, and this one is always very interesting to me, or an area that God specifically wants to move in and the enemy wants to blind us so much so so that our eyes stay on ourself instead of the Father. Yeah, we had a comment? Sorry, that. Do you guys have a little pen? I may. I think I do. I do. Great. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, part two, life outside of Christ, the life of self, and the me culture. Okay, so if I ever refer to the me culture, I'm basically just talking about the idea of a culture that is obsessed with self, a.k.a. America. Yeah, <laughs> literally. As sad as that is, yes. So it's, it's aspects of our culture that really promote self, self-preservation, and even just like, me, 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 I need to get me in front. So I want you guys to throw out, you see I put some blanks there. What are some examples where we see the me culture? Like company slogans? The one that comes to mind is like Burger King is like, have it your way or something like that. I love that, yes, that's a great example. What else? Comfort? Yeah. Or uh, luxuries? Yeah. I just remember the song, I'll do it my way. Yeah. Frank Sinatra, I'm like, that used to be a thing. I'm like, yeah. Yep. Yes. So, like, yeah, yeah. Literally, we could go on and on. We could pull apart the American culture and find out that at the bottom of it is selfishness. We could pull apart the so-called American dream and find out that although there are truths, quote-unquote truths in it, at the bottom of most of it is actually selfishness. And think about it. Even... Um, the speaker was mentioning how we are at a level of diminishing poverty that is unseen, and yet people are in a place of greater anxiety, worry, depression than we've seen ever. Why? Okay, what else with the me culture? What about things like followers on Instagram? It's interesting how we're all after followers, or viewers of your blog, or of your YouTube channel, or of your podcast. The whole idea of making a name for yourself, making a name for yourself as an athlete, as a student who gets the 4.0 GPA, whatever it is, as a person who gets the internship. There's this whole culture of just like really insecurity is where where it really comes from, this insecurity. Yeah. I thought it was interesting in the last session, Gia pointed out um, how biblical literacy has gone down so much. I think that also comes into play with the me culture because we're so focused on God give us these things, like bless us, but we're not going to pour back into you and like not spend time with you. Yeah. Um, so we become very self-focused. Yeah, it's completely a one-sided relationship idea. But this is, that is the life outside of Christ. But the funny thing is, with all the things that we even mentioned, whether it's social media or just different forms or things that are popular in our world, something that I was thinking about 
was that all these things, although they so quickly can be all about us, we could in fact see them turn to be all about him. Because what is it? The kingdom culture is much more powerful than the me culture will ever be, if we will allow it. So what would it look like if we allowed God to to be a part of these different aspects of our life? What would it look like if we chose to be one who posted a blog, not for the sake of building up our name or having a number of followers, but because we wanted to see broken people made whole? What would it look like if those were our motives, if we started to literally infiltrate the me culture with his kingdom culture? I think we'd see some things change. Okay, so number three, life in Christ. Is he Lord or only Savior? So I want you guys, we're just going to throw it out. First, I was going to do smaller groups, but I like that we're a small enough size that we can do this. So that first question, what does it actually look like for Jesus to be both Lord and Savior in your life? Give me like a couple things. What, what are a couple things that you think of? Like two, two responses. Because he's kind of like a life coach. Like, he'll help you through things and give you wisdom on what you should do and what you shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What else? What else? Well, to me, it's always been the difference between doing something wrong and he's the savior who saves you from it versus he's the Lord, You like, living your life for him and him being the Lord that commands how what you do in the first place. Like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Okay, so with that, I think that is a great segue into what are the markers of a life in Christ, a life of, of abiding. Yes! Wow! Great! Yes! I mean, literally, we could say so many things. We could literally just say, Jesus. That could be a great example of what a life abiding in Christ is because he is Christ. But yeah, that is definitely a big aspect of it, is this selflessness that is not just in actions or thoughts, but in motives too. Okay, so can I have a volunteer to read Luke 6, 43 to 45? This one should be printed out so that you guys don't have to flip through. Yes. Luke 6, 43 to 45. For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure in his heart, brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart is not peace. Okay, so real quick. What are the fruits that we should be seeing in our lives? What are the characteristics we should be seeing? If we truly are connected to the vine, thus abiding, what are the fruits we should be seeing in our life? Yeah, literally the fruit of the Spirit. <clears throat> but here's a question that I sometimes ask myself and I want to pose to you guys. Is there an inconsistency in what we have said, come be Lord and Savior of my life, Jesus, and what we live. Does the fruit of my life actually point to him being Lord and Savior? Think about it. We commit ourselves. We're saying, Jesus, okay, I want you to be both Lord and Savior. But how many times actually are we saying, Jesus, I want you to be Savior. I'm going to still be Lord. 
And here's the thing. Probably all of us can raise our hand and be like, yeah, I've never actually verbally said that. But do your actions say that? Do your thoughts say that? Do your motives say that? Are we living a self-centered life or the Christ-centered life that Jesus called us into? So what's the call of Jesus? Number four, the call. Die to self and rise in Christ. All right, can I get someone to read Luke 9, 23 to 26? It's the next passage in there. It doesn't matter. Okay, we'll go. Okay. Um, then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the Holy Angels. Okay, so right from that scripture, to follow Jesus, what must we do? Just, I want you to literally pull right from the scripture. Deny self. Yes. Yes, exactly. Okay, great. So we know it. What does that look like for us to actually deny ourselves and to take up our cross daily? When you get home for the rest of the break, I want three examples of what it would look like for you to die to self and take up a cross. Just throw it at me. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for throwing that dagger. Okay, let's get the next dagger out. I guess spending less. I can go there spending less time on YouTube and actually wanting to focus on God. Mhm. Yeah. Being intentional with our family members. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 Um, being more responsible with honoring other people's time and their plans in their lives. Yeah. Being yourself like out of instead of being like so like or blind to like being self absorbed, um, in regards to other people. Um yeah. Look at other people's lives. Yep. Yeah. Just One more. Recognizing these blessings. Mhm. Also recognizing where other people are lacking their blessings, and then being able to help them uh, see God's glory. Uh, yeah. Through just blessing. Yeah. So, in all seriousness, I want you guys after this class or at some point today, I want you on your phone because if you do it any other way, you will forget it. On your phone, I want you to write a reminder for these next three days. And each day I want you to put one thing that you ask, Holy Spirit, what can I do to take up my cross, to die to self, and to rise in you that's going to touch my family, that's going to touch a sibling, that's going to touch a coworker? And we'll, I'll talk more about that a little later, but I really want you guys to take the time to actually think out practical ways to go about this. Because if we just talk all about it and we have all the theology and we can say all the right things, great. But if we walk out the doors and they don't, we don't live it, what's the point? There's no point. Okay, can I get someone to read um, this next quote? So this next quote is by C.S. Lewis. At the very end of your sheets, um, I actually have a list of recommended books. There's some of the books that have like blessed my life the most. Honestly, they're all super convicting. Of all of them, I recommend Killing Christians at the top and Why Revival Terries. 
they're all amazing, but those two like wrecked my life. But I did not put C.S. Lewis in that mix because you can literally read all of his books and be so touched. So if you haven't checked him out, check him out. But can I have someone read that quote from Mere Christianity? All right, Bazam. You basically called on yourself. <laughs> the principle runs through all life from top to bottom. Give up yourself and you will find your real self. Lose your life and you will save it. Submit to death. Death of your ambitions and your favorite wishes every day, and the death of your whole body in the end. Submit with every fiber of your being, and you will find eternal life. Keep back nothing. Nothing that you have not given away will, will really be yours. Nothing in you that have not died will ever be raised. Are you missing some? What? Her, she doesn't have a back. I will continue that. <laughs> Sorry. Keep coming back. I'm going with it. That's odd. Nothing that you have not given away will be really yours. Mm-hmm. Nothing in you that has not died will ever be raised from the dead. Look for yourself, and you will find in the long run only hatred, loneliness, despair, rage, ruin, and decay. But look for Christ, and you will find him. And with him, everything else is thrown in. I love this because it takes home the point that we don't simply deny self for the sake of denial. Think about it. You guys are college students. You're not going to college, staying up late nights, doing all the homework, studying, spending hours doing projects and presentations. You're not doing all that just to do it. If you were, you would all be kind of crazy. Right? Just like, just did my homework just to do it. Love that homework, love spending hours and feeling exhausted. No, you guys have an end goal in mind. You have the end goal of, no, I want to graduate. I want to get this degree. No, I want to actually learn this material so that I can be proficient in whatever it is I end up doing. There has to be a goal. There, the denial, is, it can't be our fuel. It can't be what fuels us. Part five, why die? Why are we denying our flesh? What drives us to say no to the desires or fuels our denial on the day-to-day, moment-by-moment basis? Here's the thing. The prospect of graduating isn't going to always inspire you to do your homework. And it's not always going to get you to the point of like, yes, I'm going to do this all-nighter and it's going to be great because I'm ready to graduate. Like, I can guarantee you guys that is not always your mindset every day going to class. I'm going to go to that 8 a.m. because I want to graduate. Some people, they're in that place where they must do that. But for most of you guys, that's probably not the place you're in. There has to be more. There has to be more. Because here's the thing. Focusing on dying to self will never drive you to the place of actually consistently dying to self. Why? Because the focus is still on you. If I'm focusing on, okay, got to die to self, got to die to self, I'm still focusing on me. How can I die to self if my thoughts are still consumed by self? I may die to self with my actions, but my thoughts are still on me. Again, it's that whole thing of, it's about our thought life. It's about the, the motives that we have. I love this quote by C.S. Lewis. He, he says, true humility is not thinking less of ourselves but thinking of ourselves less. On top of that, on top of the whole, we can't just be focused on us and dying to self. I've also noticed more and more, there's this unhealthy focus on what we're dying to. 
on what we're letting go of, on what we're losing instead of what we're gaining. We have to start understanding the goodness and the life that's in store for us when we, yes, die to self, but we must rise in Christ. Because if I die to self, then I'm just still dead. I have to rise in Christ. So, we need to seriously come to this place where it's not about what we're letting go of, where our focus is not, oh, I'm going to miss that and that and that, but our focus becomes what we're grabbing hold of. It, it, we come to this place where it's like, yep, I'm letting go of these things, but that's not where my focus is on. My focus is on what I'm grabbing hold of. My focus is on the reality that because I've let go, now my hands are open wide to grab hold of Jesus, to grab hold of knowing him and his presence and his goodness. All right, Philippians 3.8. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ. But do we actually count all things as rubbish in comparison to knowing Christ? So, when I was in you guys' shoes, my senior year, I was ready to go. I had an ambassador who was planning to write my letter of recommendation. I had the GPA that would get me to the place I wanted to be. My life goal was to be a U.S. ambassador in a foreign country, specifically one that's particularly close to missionaries. I had this grand idea of I'm going to go to these nations, I'm going to be able to share the gospel under the cohort of I'm a U.S. ambassador, so they pay for me to be there, and it's just great. It's a great plan. I love it. Parents love it. Everyone loves it, but, but God had a different plan. He had a very different plan, and he asked me to do the internship at Virginia Tech, and it made no sense. It made no sense, and I could have just been in this place of, oh my goodness, everything I'm letting go of. I'm letting go of job security. I'm letting go of my parents being happy. I'm letting go of a recommendation of a lifetime. I'm letting go of these adventurous places, of all these open doors I have. I'm letting go of so much. I'm letting go of the ability to pay off my school loans rather quickly instead of for a long time. Being real, I'm letting go of so much. But here's the thing, where I am now, I would not take back anything that I do. I literally see everything that I let go of, it's seriously rubbish. It is nothing because I know Jesus in a way I've never known him. The miracles that I've seen, physical healings, people's collarbones literally in front of my eyes changing and being healed. I've seen finances come in where people literally have dreams about me that God tells them to give, them, give me money and then they give it to me. Literally, that was today. I have zero dollars in my bank account, and I said, God, we clearly need some money. What are you up to? I don't know. Literally, someone last night had a dream, and in the dream, I was like, I need money. And they woke up, and they were like, Lord, I think she needs money. They literally, today, gave me a box of cash that says, for you to finance salt, to get through salt. That is the God we serve. I would not take the financial security if I, if I could not experience these miracles, 
I would rather be in this place. Not just I would rather, this is the most glorious place I can be because in it, I'm experiencing God. I'm realizing He is so true. He is so alive. He is so personal and intimate. Everything else is rubbish. Everything else is nothingness in sight of Him and His goodness. We have to have a perspective shift. It has to start being, it's not about what we're letting go of. It's about what we're grabbing hold of. That is the perspective that we must have. Think about Psalm 37, 4, which says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. When we delight ourselves in the Lord, we're also saying, I'm no longer going to delight myself in the wealth of this world, in the eyes or affirmation of man, or in the fleeting pleasures that parade around me. Instead, I'm going to grab hold of the wealth in Christ, the approval and love of the Heavenly Father, and the pleasures found in delighting myself in Him. This must be what we grab hold of. We must come to recognizing that He truly is all. He has to be more satisfying to us than anything else because He's the only thing that truly satisfies. That money, that job security, all that, it will fade. Even your physical abilities as a being, our bodies are decaying more and more every day. You can't find security even in your own health, in nothing. He must be everything. Can I have someone read that next quote, The Weight of Glory by C.S. Lewis? Is it on yours? I may have not added that one. It's, it's, it is? Okay, can I have someone read that? The Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink, sex, and ambition, when an infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. You guys know Mark, Matthew, excuse me, 1344. I actually have it on here, not in there. Matthew 1344. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. We have to start recognizing that Jesus is that treasure. The only place that, that will be to eagerly die to self and rise in Christ is when our delight is in him. When we start to really recognize, no, this is where there's the most satisfaction. It's in him. It's walking in obedience. It's knowing him. Dying to self is the best place to be because it's the only true place of life. All right, so let's head back to that passage in Luke. Uh, we're going to read Luke 9, 1 through 6. That's right in your notes. Let's get another volunteer. Yes. Um, he called the twelve together and gave the power and authority of all the demons yeah. and to heal diseased. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to perform healing. And he said to them, Take nothing for your journey, neither a staff nor a bag, nor bread nor money, and do not even have two tunics apiece. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that city. And as for those who do not receive you, 
as you go out from that city, shake dust off your feet as a testimony against them. Departing, they began going throughout the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Awesome. Okay, so what does he call them to let go of? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, literally. Take nothing for your journey. Neither staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money. Literally everything. Clothing, don't take any of it. Guys, are any of these things inherently sinful? Mm-mm. I'm sorry, but I'm wearing a scarf right now. I didn't know this was a sin. You know, none of this, none of this listed here is inherently sinful. Dying to self isn't about stopping sinning. That's not what it's about. We can have these things that are okay, but are they actually the presence of God? Dying to self is not about sinning. Here's a simple example. At one point in my journey, I'm on now year seven of knowing Jesus. He literally asked me to be on a TV fast. Now, as it was, I could only watch, like, super, like, kids' shows. I'm just super sensitive, so I couldn't watch anything. At the time, the Olympics were on, and gymnastics was playing. I, like, love that stuff. It's, it's my favorite. But the Lord asked me, he, he said, would you fast TV for this month? <sighs> Watching TV, if it's something that is actually glorifying to God, if it's something that's not messed up, Um, a.k.a. the Holy Spirit would be very comfortable sitting on the couch watching that with you. If that's the case, then it's not a sin. Then it's it's fine. Yet God asked me, let go of that, Felicity. Let go of that, that TV time because I want you to spend that time in worship. I had some of the sweetest times of just laying in worship before the King of Kings, just laying in worship before bed, letting go of something that's not a sin. Here's another example. Exercise. God literally asked me to fast exercise for a season because he wanted to really show me what it looked like to have a greater dependency on him. Not just getting my joy or getting out my anxiety through exercise, but through him. It's not just about not sinning. Dying to self is literally about listening to the Holy Spirit and following the Holy Spirit. Okay, so what did he give them? Going back to the verse, referring back to the verse. I heard it very faintly. Power? Power, power and authority. Yes. Yes. He gave power and authority over all demons and to heal diseases. And he gave them the kingdom message to proclaim to all people. Okay, what has he given us? All right, you've got that first blank. A, salvation. 1 John 1, 9. We see that he's given us salvation. Exodus 14, 14. He fights for us. Isaiah 40, 29. He is our strength. You could go on and go on. Add in the characteristics, the names of God. Jehovah Rapha, he is our healer. Jehovah Shalom, he is our peace. Literally, this list of what he gives us, but I think it can sum up well, he has given us himself. Emmanuel, God with us. Would we be a people who would count all things to be lost in the view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus our Lord? That when we suffer loss of things, that we would count it rubbish as nothingness so that we could gain Christ. So how are we going to answer? How, how are we going to respond? Because Jesus' call is very clearly to take up our cross daily and to follow him. 
But the whole the whole reality is we're not just going to choose to grow in selflessness in a moment. You don't just wake up one morning and be like, I'm feeling selfless today. Great, great. <laughs> no, literally, guys, it starts in little moments. It starts in making those choices. If I can't start putting my roommates above myself, how will I do so with an unreached people group who threatens to kill me and my family because we are to sh- we're there to share Jesus with them? It's not about being selfless over a spring break mission trip. This is a call for life, and it comes down to what we value. Again, the idea, am I focusing more on what I'm losing, what I'm letting go of, or what I'm grabbing hold of? Think about it. Are we willing to die to self by waking up earlier to spend time with the Lord? To some people, it's like, oh, sleep, sleep, sleep. But here's the thing. It's all about values, right? Because what do you value more, sleep or the voice of the Lord? When you break it down like that, it makes decisions pretty simple. All right, I'm going to give you guys a challenge that God gave me when I was a student in your same shoes. Literally, he said this to me. Dying to self looks like doing the dishes before your mom asks you. It looks like vacuuming the floor with a heart focused on Jesus when you're asked to. If you cannot love and serve your family love, if you cannot love and serve your family well, who you see, how can you love and serve me well? But here's the whole, here's the whole thing. It's about what are the practical things that I can be doing to die to self and rise in Christ. How can I take the whole idea of not just, okay, I'm going to do the dishes before mom asked me to, and I'm dying to self. No, like we talked about before. My motives are all wrong. It's all about me still. What if I looked at it as an opportunity of, I'm going to bless my mom by doing the dishes before she asks me. And you know what, Holy Spirit? I'm going to talk to you while I do the dishes. I can tell you guys some of the most profound revelations I've had with the Lord, honestly, are when I'm cleaning and serving and doing behind-the-scenes things that people never know about. It's in those places that he speaks the most profound because he cannot trust you with some grand vision if he can't trust you in the little things. If we are not faithful in the little things, if we're not faithful in serving in the little ways, how can we go and serve hundreds of thousands of people? So I want you guys, I want you guys to take the next five, no, three minutes. I want you guys to take the next three minutes. I want you to either partner up or create little groups. And I want you guys to take a moment and really ask the Holy Spirit, are there areas in my life where, where I have just been so selfish? And I want you to ask the Lord, why is that? Are there certain insecurities or lies that I've believed? Are there, there are certain realities that I haven't let go of? Do I not really get how good you are and how much you desire to give to me? Am I missing that? I want you to take the time, ask the Lord that, and I want you guys to pray over one another. Because here's the thing. I can... We can talk about being selfless all we want. We can have the focus on, okay, God, I'm gonna, I don't want to focus on this. I see you as gain. I see you as this. But he's the one who changes our hearts. When I was praying for this session, the, since I found out I was doing it, literally my, my biggest thing has been this over and over and over. God, if you don't show up, if you're not moving, then it doesn't matter. 
Someone can do the greatest presentation you've ever heard, have the most theologically sound presentation you've ever heard, but if the presence of God is not moving and if he's not actually stirring in our hearts, then it's pointless and we should all leave the room. But that's what I want you guys to pray. I want you guys to ask the Lord, God, would you come and soften our hearts, God, where there has been just not just a self selfishness, but also just this mis just messed up perspective, honestly. Where there's just been this unhealthy perspective of die, 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 gotta die to self, gotta die to self. Instead of, oh, I'm rising up in Christ. Oh, I'm tasting and seeing of the goodness of God. I want you guys to get in those groups, reflect, and then I want you guys to pray over each other that, that the Lord would really start moving and that there would be that perspective shift. So you guys can start doing that now. Okay, what's the question we're posing to each other? We're just like having it from a second. It's kind of like the idea of. Well, I guess you guys are really. Well, you could pose it to each other, but like, what are like the selfish tendencies that you have? Okay. And like recognizing that and like praying through that to each other. Yeah. Thanks. The desire to change this spirit that we're in, we feel like praying over the house, and like God, like I have a sister, so when I go home, no one really wants to do anything, and I have to, but just praying when I pray God, like when you get spirit, change all of our hearts, when you change to help out more, to do more, um, to be better in this situation, I don't want to do it I don't mind rising up. Can I be like unsick? Can you give me the clothes? Can we just do everything? I'm like, just because I like being 
All right, so it's 3.50, so I'm just going to pray us out. Um, but before I do so, I really want something that you guys start every day asking the Lord, God, what does it look like for me to die to self and rise in you practically? God, what does it look like for me to walk in such a delight in you that the gain of everything else that I'm letting go of doesn't really matter? So let, the, let this be a part of like your normal prayer life every day where you're asking the Lord, okay, God, what does it look like today? What does it look like in this moment? Because I want to enjoy you to the fullest. And if I want to enjoy you to the fullest, that means I have to live in you. I have to abide, walk in you. So just add that into your daily life. Um, so God, we thank you for this time. God, we thank you, God, that in you, God, there's fullness of joy. God, we thank you that in you is just such a delight. It's such a delight to know you, God, that you just so desire for us to recognize all of the good things that you desire to do, all of the ways that you desire to move in our hearts, God, and that you desire for, for yourself to be with us. God, you desire for us to be aware of you. The greatest, the great gift of being aware of you throughout the day, every moment, hearing your voice, 
God, would our hearts long more for your presence than anything else? God, would our focus be more on you and your goodness? God, would we truly be a people who could say everything else is nothingness in comparison to Christ, to knowing him, to knowing his love and walking with him? God, we just say we need you. God, would you come and soften our hearts? We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm.